Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest, but first, a quick thank you to our sponsor. One of the most valuable skills is learning how to sell. And I don't mean sales in the context of manipulation or any of those sleazy sales techniques. I'm talking about the old-fashioned art of bringing value to customers. I'd like you to attend How to Win Funds and Influence People. This is hosted by Russell Gray from the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. Coming up on June 28th and 29th in Dallas, Texas, this is a must-attend event. If you've not attended before, you definitely want to make it there. For more information, go to realestateguysradio.com slash events. That's realestateguysradio.com slash events. We are back here on the weekend edition. We interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today's no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Barcelona, Spain. Welcome to the show, Billy Kiels. Hey, Victor, thanks so much for being here. Really looking forward to the conversation today. So, Billy, you have started out your career in the high-tech industry, much like I did. And I thought it'd be worthwhile for our listeners to talk about doing business internationally across multiple time zones in multiple countries because you're doing that on a day-to-day basis. But before we dig into the real estate part, why don't you give us a little bit of your backstory? Sure, be happy to do that. So uh, I guess as a guy from Columbus, Ohio, who probably never, ever thought I would leave the state of Ohio, uh, by the age of uh, 27, having finished two college degrees and uh, had the very, very great fortune of, of working and traveling throughout some 58 different countries, um, I didn't actually see myself doing a normal, quote unquote, nine to five job. So I was uh, very fortunate. I was accepted at a university in Paris uh, back in 2001, where my plan was really just to stay for a year and then go back and, and start a normal, quote unquote, life. And well, I actually fell in love with the uh, with the French culture. I started learning more about the language, the culture. I was learning how to salsa dance, which was a little bit unique, uh, and also started learning more about wine. So I, I didn't, uh, I didn't want to head back to the U.S. I was fortunate enough to actually then start in the in the IT sector, as you mentioned before, uh, in the south of France, in a town called Montpellier. And I was there, uh, and I actually met a wonderful, beautiful little Spanish woman, who eventually I ended up marrying, and uh, which is the pr- reason that I came to Barcelona. We have two children. And now I'm enjoying a living between the two worlds, as you mentioned before, the, the IT is a, is a corporate sales exec, and then also building uh, own business back in the United States is based on real estate. So aside from that, the, the, the other thing that I think is probably important just as a, as a backstory is as I'm surrounded by lots of other people in the IT and well, telco and IT sectors, primarily in pharma. They, I started realizing that there are a lot of people that weren't born with a silver spoon in our mouth and we weren't born destitute either, if you will, using very big extremes, that there's a real need to also help those of us that are kind of in the middle understand more about being in control of our financial life. And that's really where I'm focused today is, is not only investing in, in cash flowing assets, but also helping other people that are very similar to myself uh, to be able to do the same thing. So that's a little bit about uh, me and kind of how we are living between these two worlds so far. I love it. I love it. So you're based in Barcelona. You have real estate investments in the U.S., so clearly you can't drive and check up on things like (laughs) a lot of people can. How have you established the teams? How have you put that together? Because you're both an active investor and a passive investor. You've involved in both projects. Talk a little bit about the difference between those two and how you're managing it. 
Yeah, sure. And well, you know, one of the things that I never really thought of was was the opportunity to be both an active as well as a passive investor. And because I tend to like control, Victor, I actually being geographically displaced, I thought was a really huge disadvantage in the beginning. However, it's become one of the biggest advantages for me because as you said, I can't just get up and go down and check out my property. So I've had to learn how to put processes in place that would allow me to number one, feel comfortable about moving forward specifically with the team because I have, to, I have to trust that the decisions that I made to work and collaborate with people directly or teams directly or indirectly through passive investment, that I have the, the process in place, right? And so coming back to your question, it, as it relates to being a, an active investor, the thing that I really focus on in terms of building the team is number one, being able to first and foremost, be able to build a relationship. Because if I can't build a relationship with the individuals or the companies that I would entrust my time, my capital, and, and our customers who are our residents, then it's going to be really difficult. And, and how do I do that? Well, in a very, because I'm far away, number one, I spend time initially. Well, my first thing is I like to go through a referral, right? If, if I know someone who knows someone, then I, I like to reach out that way. But if not, I mean, I've the, where I really got started was really just rolling up my sleeves, going online, looking up information on LoopNet, et cetera, et cetera, and then reaching out to people and calling them using technology, right? Or I would use my own phone and then afterwards spend a lot of time investing uh, to understand how their businesses are, are operated to see if there's a match uh, as well in terms of their philosophy and my philosophy. And then eventually there comes a point where if the relationship has made enough sense and we're, when we are in line with one another's philosophies, that I will invest both time and money to, to fly from Barcelona, Spain to the places where my properties are located. And whether that is uh, in, the, in the New Jersey area or in the Charlotte MSA, it's a gradual process. And the same, I take a very similar approach when I'm investing passively. But usually at that point, it's really understanding who the key principal is or the sponsor in the exact same way. So first of all, if there's a referral, reaching out to that person, getting to understand them, understand if their philosophy is similar to mine. Afterwards, spending time on Zoom or, or, or speaking on the phone or exchanging emails, things like that. And eventually, it's about getting on a plane, meeting, sitting down and making sure that at least as much as I can from a due diligence perspective, that uh, that we're aligned and, and we really want the same things out of potential uh, business collaborations. That's great. I love that. And, you know, one of the things that I discovered when I was in the tech sector, you know, I ran an engineering organization. I had staff in 13 different locations, so it didn't matter where I was located. I was definitely in the wrong place for somebody some of the time. <laughs> yep. And so I got very good at managing things from a remote perspective. And in the tech world, it's second nature. I mean, you know, you were, didn't matter whether, I'm sure you were working for Dell or working for SAP or whoever it is, their headquarters, their main R&D sites are not where you're located. So you're always spending your days on the phone. And I found it just very natural when I moved into the world of real estate investing to carry that same method, that same means of managing into the world of real estate. It just seemed a very natural transition. I'm guessing you experienced something very similar. So Victor, I I love that you just said that because one of the things that I've also realized is that a lot of these skills and things that I've built at the corporate world, right, which is over 20 years at this point, 
I'm very fortunate because the lots of those skills are transferable. So you mentioned something that, I mean, it just, it resonated with my heart as soon as you said it. I have spent the majority of my career working on either a regional, meaning across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, or on a global scale. So between uh, here, Latin America, Asia, Africa. And so, I mean, as soon as you said that, because of the types of teams that I previously led, they were all across the globe. So you have to understand Number one, in, in making sure that you're selecting the right talent, bringing them on board. And then number two, making sure that you are giving the proper direction. And then also understanding how you can communicate when someone is nine hours or 12 hour time zone away and still being able to move forward. So once again, I feel like I'm really fortunate as I've gone into this long distance investing thing because I'm using a lot of the same skills that I've been developing over the last 20 years. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And if you haven't gone through that experience, if you haven't learned that, it's not natural. It's not second nature. A lot of people, if they've worked in a traditional office environment, they'll walk down the hall, someone's 50 feet away, and hold a conversation. But it's much more difficult to pick up the phone than walk down the hall. And a lot of people haven't mastered that skill. Completely agree. Completely agree, Victor. Talk a little bit about time zones and how have time zones made doing business much more difficult? So I guess one of the things is is being able to, I guess difficult, I'm not sure if it would be that, it's just more about how do you adjust, right? I guess is the way that I would see it because it's important to understand and and I want to use an extreme example of something happens in one of our properties and every day I have less and less direct contact with what is happening because of the teams that are in place. But in the beginning, it was a matter of how do I make sure that in the event that something were to happen with one of my residents or one of my tenants, that whoever's there on the ground has the authority to be able to get the problem fixed. And being someone who liked to have control or likes to have control, it, it was in the beginning, it was a big challenge to try and figure out, well, how do I overcome that challenge? Because what I don't want is for something to happen to one of my, my residents and them not being able to get the service that they need or the response that they need. So I had to come up with ways to, you know, having an answering service and making sure that the team that was on the ground or in place knew that they were empowered to resolve the issue provided something came up. And in very extreme examples, they knew that they had to go to a local authority or or official or something like that. But it was something that was, I guess, initially something new it became a challenge and it was a matter of how do we overcome that challenge? And, and really, it, I think it boils down to being able to give clear direction so that when I'm sleeping and my business is still moving, that those that are on the front line, they understand what is it that they are able to do because we've given them clear direction. When I was doing business in Asia, one of the things I discovered was, you know, if you're on the same time zone, you can have four or five touch points a day if you're in the same time zone. If you're many, many hours apart, it you only have the opportunity to have one or two touch points in, in a business day. So oftentimes the pace, the heartbeat of conducting business or of even having a conversation slows down significantly. Every time you start an interaction, you may continue the interaction the next day rather than the next hour. It's exactly that. I am, it is something that I experience, have experienced, and I'm sure that will continue to experience. But I guess that comes back to what you were talking about before, Victor. That is where understanding that that is a reality 
and being a part of that is, I guess, what helps us when we're when we're working across many different time zones, many different cultures, sometimes different languages, but also, you know, it's similar language, but different time zones and things like that as it relates to dealing with my real estate business back in the U.S. How do you establish boundaries when you're doing business across time zones so that you're not always connected at 11 o'clock at night or, you know, after midnight? How do you manage that so that you actually get to live in the time zone in which you reside? Wow, that's uh, that's a great question, Victor, because I struggle with that even today because I enjoy what I'm doing in terms of building this business and doing it long distance. And so the, the, the person, I'm going to say it's a person that helps me to establish that is my spouse. She really reminds me of what is the important part of my life. And that's really my, my wife, my children, and being able to spend time with family. And, and also the other thing is I start realizing, because I, I listen to others that have been ahead of me, Victor, and they've talked about having missed time with their children. I have children that are eight and nine years old right now. And I realized that they're not five and six anymore. And pretty soon they're going to be 17 and 18 and getting ready to go away to college. And that is one of the things that helps me carve out specific times in the day to make sure that I'm spending, let's say, from six until eight in the afternoon with my kids. And as a result, I may then need to stay up until 11 or 12 or sometimes one. So I guess it's more of, am I spending the time with those that I really love and want to do that. And that's one of the main reasons that I'm actually doing or building this business. And so spending the quality time at the right time. And that may mean that later on I have to stay up until one or, or, or two o'clock in the morning. So hopefully that makes sense the way I've answered it. So. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, uh, you're not going to ask your kids to stay up till one or two in the morning to spend time with you. So you've got to choose, you've got to make a choice in terms of certain things are only possible during certain times of the day. And uh, you just have to adjust. Correct. Exactly. In terms of deal flow, when you are remote, does that slow things down for you? What is, what's been your experience? Are you looking at as many deals as before? How, how do you manage that? I would say if you were to compare, right, you always compare someone who's maybe on-site or US-based or can do a lot of different uh, events and things like that, that the deal flow is, is to a lesser extent. However, when I need to turn on the deal flow, then I'm able to find it. Afterwards, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to meet my criteria as an active investor. And then also when those active opportunities aren't available or are not meeting my criteria, I also have the opportunity to become a passive investor. And so making sure that I continue to connect with those key principals or sponsors that have more deal flow than I may potentially have. I want to make sure that I can build those relationships, work on those relationships, because when other sponsors have opportunities, that may be the moment for me to pivot. Because the most important thing, Victor, that I'm realizing and I really want to help other corporate citizens like myself is that we need to make sure that our capital is moving and working out much more than we are. And so sometimes that's done actively. And if the deal flow is there, that's where we'll go. And if it's not there and not available, then look to pivot and see if the deal flow is coming with somebody, someone else. And maybe it means a passive, maybe there's a JV opportunity or a joint venture, meaning that you collaborate and things like that. So I kind of, I like to keep it open and realize that, well, if the deal flow is not there, look for it uh, somewhere else. I love it. Well, Billy, if folks want to get in touch, what's the best way? 
Well, there's a couple of different ways actually like to uh, give people the opportunity and just kind of comes in three flavors. If there's anyone who, who loves long distance investing or wants to find out a little bit more about it, I'm always open for a phone call and they can get in touch with me at bit.ly forward slash speak with Billy. Uh, if anyone wants to understand just a little bit more about what I've been doing from a long distance investing perspective, uh, I've written an ebook and they can pick that up at growyourmoneythesmartway.com. And for anyone who just kind of wants to find out who is Billy Keels, what is he doing? And uh, you can you can go to either billykeels, B-I-L-L-Y-K-E-E-L-S.com or keeponcashflow.com. I love it. So for the folks at home, Definitely reach out to Billy at any one of the addresses that he mentioned at billykeels.com or keeponcashflow.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.